Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Hallelujah. In the Christendom, there has been a big or a gross misrepresentation of the gospel and God's mind and idea of success, of blessing, of increase, of multiplication. That is from the Lord. It's almost as though in certain cultures and certain doctrines, it is godly and divine to be broke. All that everybody who has money on their account, they're going to go to hell. And then we've quoted all kinds of scriptures and misrepresented them and made them say things they're not saying. To confuse the ears and hearts of those that are hungry to know the truth. But also to further explain our indifference in the matter. Someone says, oh, it's a very hard thing for a rich man to go to heaven. Uh, and it's, it's, it's easier for a camel to be what? To pass through a needle than it is for a rich man to go to heaven. You've heard of those scriptures. But what does the next line say? The disciples ask, he says, again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And the next verse says, and when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed. Why were they amazed? They were rich. They would have said, ah, ooh, so we are lucky for us, we are broke. Uh, you know, rich apostle Christ and the rest are going to hell. No. They were exceedingly amazed. They thought of how much they had and they said, who can be saved? And what does the next verse say? The next verse says, Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. That means it's possible for you to be rich, successful, driving a very nice expensive car, living in a very nice mansion, and then you go to heaven. Praise God. And I chose that line. Tell your neighbor, Lubega Grace chose it. No, come on, put your name. Now, there are principles of mastery. Because it says it's an evil disease for a man to be given power, honor, riches, and dominion, and all these kinds of things. And the Bible says, but that man has not the power to eat thereof. And he says, but yet a stranger comes and eats thereof. And he says, it's an evil disease. Tonight, I'm also going to touch something very key in understanding the blessing of God. Because it's one thing for you to know that you're the blessed of God. The scriptures you claim very clearly. That for we know of the grace. He called it grace of our Lord Jesus. For though he was rich. But he what? Made himself poor for your sakes. That through his poverty you might become what? Rich. If Jesus became poor for me to be rich. There is no way I can be poor. Why? Because the man became broke for it. He paid the price for it. Jesus paid for your poverty. Tell somebody Jesus paid for your poverty. 
Yes, he paid. He saw you poor and he said, uh-uh, let me take the place of poverty for that dear believer, for that dear son and daughter, so that they don't go into this world and start striving and struggling with this world. And that is my portion in Christ, in the mighty name of Jesus. He has said it by his word. For though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might be rich. Somebody say, I'm rich. But then the question, with, why is it that we know this? We know that it is the blessing of God. It maketh rich and has no sorrow. He has promised all of these things in scripture for us to be blessed and rich and favored in this world. But the results are not there. And we said many of us have not yet understood the principles that take us there. Somebody shout hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 7. He says, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Somebody said good land. He says, a land of brooks, of water, fountains, springs flowing forth in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you shall eat food without shortage and lack nothing in it, a land whose stones are iron, out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you've eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for all the good land which he has given you. He says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God for not keeping his commandments, his precepts, his statutes which I command you today. Least when you have eaten and are full and have built goodly houses, live in them and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied all that you have and the Bible says then your minds and hearts he said be lifted up and forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the houses of bondage and the Bible says who led you through the great and terrible wilderness with his with fairy serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water but brought you forth water out of flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna which fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your mind and in your heart, my power and my might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. And he says, but you shall honestly remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Somebody shout hallelujah. God is giving them a very distinct picture that you and I can learn lessons from today. He says, I'm going to release my hand on you because it is your portion to walk in the blessing of Almighty God. It is your portion to walk in the blessing of Almighty God. It is not even something you have to ask for. Don't even ask for money. No. It is your portion to have it all in, my, in the mighty name of Jesus. Now he tells them, look, I'm going to lead you to a goodly land. You're going to have flocks. You're going to increase. Your hearts will multiply. Your fields will be as green. Your vines, your pomegranates, and everything that comes through. He says, everything shall be a success. Everything shall be a success. He promised it. The Bible says in Isaiah, I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places that you may know that it is I that is, that is the Lord, the God of Israel who calls you by name for the sake of Jacob. Again, he has brought in the father instinct of Jacob. For the sake of Jacob, my father, and of Israel, my chosen, I have called you by name. I've surnamed you though you do not know me. He said, I'll give you the secret hidden treasures of darkness. I'll make you rich. I'll make you prosperous. It is in my will and it is in my plan. It is ordained in the spirit. It is older than your thought. It is bigger than you can imagine. It has no consequence of whether you went to school or you didn't go. Whether you have a connection or you didn't go. Whether you live in America or you live in Africa. Whether your passport is good or it's not good. Whether you have a job. Listen, he said, I will bless you. 
I will give you the hidden, the secret treasures. There are things in this world that are hid from men, but are revealed to us and are prepared for you and I in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's our portion in Christ. He promised it. So when he tells the children of Israel, when I take you to that land, when I lead you there, he says, my problem is do not forget the Lord your God. How does a man forget God? When at one particular point he can look at everything he has amassed and say, it is my hand that has made it. It is the boasting in the self of your ability, of your wisdom, your strength, your knowledge and all. That's why the richest people in this world show you reasons why they shouldn't be rich. Some of them, they even start talking and you're like, how did this fool get money? The guy can't even articulate, cross a sympathy and dot an eye, but the guy has money. One time in the bank, there was this customer. <laughs> my God. The guy couldn't even write. I, I, my responsibility was to write his amount in, in words. The, the educated Grace Lubeck guy used to write for the man's check amount in words. You understand? $500,000. $200,000. $300,000. I used to write for him. The rest is not to the swift. Neither the battle to the strong. He has said it in scripture. He doesn't give bread to wise men. No riches to men of understanding. But he says time and chance happens to them all. That means what you think you think is actually not it that makes a man rich and wealthy. It is the blessing of the Lord. It is the power that he gives a man to make wealth. What of those who don't know him? It doesn't matter whether they don't know him. It doesn't matter whether they don't have a relationship with him. Any man that is blessed in this world has the hand of God upon his life. You hearing me? There's something on their life that God has put. Oh, they might accord it to witchcraft. Oh, let them do it. But you see, the devil has nothing in this world. You understand? But you see, to you I'm telling you, he has said, I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly presence of Christ. I have given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. He has given. That's a done deal. Somebody shout hallelujah. Say it is done in the name of Jesus. But here is a problem. When the affair of his blessing came on your life, you made it so personal. You put your mind and imbued it on a very simple, selfish detail that goes only around you. It was so much about what you do, how you do it, how your hand has made it, and now some of you even go about boasting. You see, me, I got this because I was this. No, 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 no. Everything that you did to get was God working in you to get. Somebody shout hallelujah. But the getting was not the time when you received it manifestly. The manifestation is different from the time he gave it. The giving happened spiritually. The manifestation thereof is physical. There might have been principles that started working in your life. Even when you give or tithe or give your offerings and everything, all of that is the working of God in your life. You have no part in it. He's the one both who gives the seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Somebody shout hallelujah. What happens when a man becomes so selfish in the area of money? So self-centered about him. When the Bible says in Haggai, you have sown and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe, but you're not warm. But he, you earn wages, 
but you put them in a bag that has holes. Do you know why? And the Bible says, if you're that kind of person, the Lord of hosts says, consider your ways. But you see, for many years I read this scripture, I used to ask God, why would a man sow when you say whatever you sow you shall reap? Or when you promise us that surely there is a time for seed and harvest. A man has sowed a seed, he expects a harvest. How come you're telling me in this time that the man has sowed much and is brought in little? Until the Lord gave me the answer in those last three words. Consider your ways. He said it's in the ways of the man. It's not enough that you're a giver. It's not enough that you give. It's not enough that you help the poor. It's not enough that you do all these wonderful things. There is a way. There is an understanding that you must have in God. But you see, even in this scripture, you realize it was about what the man sowed and what the man brought in. What the man ate and how the man was full. What the man wore and how warm he was. It was all about the man. Who has understood what I just said? Do you know there are people who deal with God like he's a, a betting company? They quote all scripture and then they get man and they say, huh, uh, give and it shall come back to you. Good measure, press down, second measure, shall men give unto your bosom. Poof! Then the guy throws it there. Then he starts waiting with the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, I'm waiting. You know, you're betting. You're betting with God. That is not the revelation. When you get to that place, you are selfish. If you're lucky, you can only get enough for you. You can never go beyond into the liberal graces of God's financial blessing. There is a man sowing because he wants to bring in. Are you hearing me? There is a man doing everything around his selfish self. The warmth is about him. The wages are about him. Everything is about him. The clothing is about him. So somebody says, why do you want money? I want money so I can build myself a nice house, drive a nice car, have nice clothes, eat nice food, take my children, me, 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 me. Me, 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 everything me, and maybe my immediate family, my children, my kamai, me, 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 I, my, me, me. You just so it's all about and round about this one individual. What a small vision. And this is the man that requires of God to have a power to lend to nations. You don't even have both the conviction and the idea of what God has placed in the inside of your hands. God wants to do more than just you getting a nice car and building a nice house. No, he wants to do more, way more. But you see, the more selfish you are, the more you position yourself in limiting God in what he can do in your life because it's about what you saw and what you bring in. It's about you. It's here. It's your mind. It's your experience. It's your little house and your little family and your small building and that car. Everything is around you. If you're amassing, all of those cars are for you so that everyone knows you that you're a rich man. That's so myopic. God says, consider your ways. When a man does that, again, everything that comes in his life, you realize it will always end with the line of, for it was my wisdom that made it. It was my strength that made it. It was my hands that made it. That man will always be around the idea and mentality of everything around him. And the Bible says, when you do that, you have forgotten God and his idea about blessing. You've forgotten God and his idea. Why? He was made poor. Your ways are wrong. That is why when you go back in scripture, when he tells them, you, you sow and you bring in little, you eat but you have not enough, you drink but you have not filled yourself, you clothe but there is none warm, uh, consider your ways. In the next verse he tells them, verse 8, 
go up to the mountain and bring wood and build a house. He says, I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Why did he tell them, stop your little, what you're ripping, what you're sowing, and get back into the idea of the house. The house is not the building necessarily. The house is the understanding of God's, you see, when you read the Hebrew word there for house, it's more than just the physical building. It is the presence. It's the mind and understanding of God and his deliberate ministry. In other words, change your mind simply from what you're reaping, what you're earning, your clothing, your drinking and everything, and go back to the idea of what God is trying to build in the gospel, in the ministry, on your life in this affair. Who has understood what I just said? Who has understood what I just said? God is saying, go up the mountain and bring wood and build the house. I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. And here in the house, like I said, the, the Hebrew word there for house is not just the physical building. One of, but not the only or exclusive to the building only. It even goes into the affair of the presence. Yes, I know you're talking about reaping and sowing, but what about me, the person of God? Remember me, God. Remember me. Align yourself. You know, do you know that it's almost as though the more rich people are, the more distance they are from God, even if they claim to be Christians? It is so sad that many people put on a certain facade of, oh, I love the Lord, I'm a Christian, you understand? And, and, and then you look at them, you read the Bible, and you realize, no. It's like one time somebody was arguing, oh, we need people on the mountains, the seven mountains, the seven mountains. People are talking about the seven mountains of education, of what religion. And then they say, look, if we have Christians on top there, then we know that we shall have taken over the world. No, the spirit of dominion does not spell on the man being on top of the mountain. The spirit of the man seeks to know which nature, character of this individual. What's the depth of this man on the mountain? How much revelation of the person of Christ does he have on the mountain? We have had many Christians who are on top of the mountain, but they have become irrelevant. Why? Because there is no substance in them to pull a mass. Who has understood what I just said? The voices with signification, the scripture says, to the intent and affair that we want to know what is piped, what is happed, and what is trumpeted on the man of the altar, on the man on the mountain. We are not just interested on the man being on the mountain, but when he starts happening, there is no harp in him. The signification carries no distinction, but the man is saying, yes, I'm a Christian who is leading in the media, or so what if you're a Christian who is leading in the media? What is the mystery of godliness? Who is Christ, dead and resurrected? Take us deeper into the eternal life of Christ. How do you give? Do you really tithe? Do you give your first fruits? Or are you just a lucky guy who God simply threw things on? Do you serve God? One time I went to the nation. And so I enter a huge, huge church. And then when I enter, I see this guy on the door dancing. He was very happy. Oh, you're welcome, pastor. I'll take you to your chair. Come on, come on. Come on with me. You know, so I took, the guy takes me to his chair. And then he goes and then I sit down. And then the guy goes back to the door. And then I'm seeing he's making people sit down. And then the guy goes. So I'm, I'm like, this dude. So a few minutes later, I was sitting with somebody just next to me. He said, do you see that guy there? I said, yeah. He's one of, if not the richest man in this whole area. I said, what? This was a rich man using his riches to the glory of God. The richest man on that side of the world, like almost half of the side of that nation, was using the grace and blessing of God upon his life to usher. Now, 
if there is this young man who is believing God for food, and he sees this man ushering, when this young man sweep the compound, because it's not just about money, it's about what you do when God blesses you. It's not about you. It's not just what you say. Oh, for me, no, 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 no. Firstly, you must know you have already been given. You have been blessed. God has given it all to you. So the attitude should not begin when the money manifests. The attitude should begin even when the money is not yet manifested. Because you already know who you are. Do you know why the Bible says in Proverbs 23, why it says, worry not yourself to be rich? Do you know why the Bible says, do not worry yourself. Worry yourself not to be rich. Do not labor to be rich. He says so. The Bible says, in the Amplified says, worry not yourself to be rich. Seize from your own human wisdom. That means it's human wisdom to labor to be what you already are. Who has understood what I just said? It's your wisdom that makes you think that because physically you don't see money, it means that you're broke. No. Because you don't physically see money, it does not mean that you're broke. No. You are already rich. Even when you get a job to do, you don't go there to get rich. That's human wisdom. And the next line says, will you set your eyes upon wealth? The same wealth, which is human. He says, when suddenly it is gone, for riches suddenly make themselves wings like an eagle that flies towards heaven. Do you know that the kind of riches that fly? Those are the kinds of riches that are made with human wisdom. Temple think that that scripture means that all wealth must fly. No, come on, go back to the context. He says, worry not yourself to be rich. Seize from your human wisdom. Will you set your eyes upon wealth? He's talking about that particular kind of wealth. Suddenly it is gone. For riches suddenly make themselves wings like eagles and fly toward heaven. Those kinds of riches that leave are the riches that a man has amassed in human wisdom. That is, the man who goes to work with the attitude of becoming rich. That man will lose it. Because he will set his eyes on making money and being rich. He will not set his eyes on what Christ and God has done. He will set his eyes on being rich. That is the love for money. Many people who set their eyes on that one agenda to be rich, they fall in love with money. You don't need to be rich to be a lover of money. And you don't need to be poor to be a lover of money. There are rich men who love money. And there are poor men who love money. The Bible says it is the root of all evil. How does it become the root of all evil? Simple. Because you are making it your master. You're aspiring to serve it. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters at a go. In Matthew 6.24. He says no man can serve two masters at a go. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold on to the one and despise the other. And he tells them you cannot serve God and mammon. God has not made money to be served. God has made man to serve God and money to serve man. Who is understanding what I'm, what I'm saying? God has not made money to be served. But when a man doesn't know what God has done, he becomes selfish because he thinks he's poor. 
And in the thought of him being poor, he does not go out as a man with a plan, a responsibility, a mission, and a mandate. No, he goes out as a poor man trying to become rich. He claims all promises as a poor man trying to become rich. He gives as a poor man trying to become rich. It all goes around the selfish agenda on his life and the mind that gets so consumed in what he doesn't have and he labors to have it. That is why when you frustrate him, he'll frustrate you. That is why he can cheat. He can flip coins. He can cross things that are not supposed to be crossed. He can cheat the weights. He can do the measures. He can do whatever it takes to be rich. Why? Because he is poor. He's poor. When a man cheats taxes, he's poor. When you pack 19 kilograms and then on it you write 20, it is because you're poor. You think that that is the only way God can bless you. You start making cheap options and shortcuts to make it because you're poor. You're poor. The mentality that makes a man go out of his house to go and labor to be rich is a poor mentality. It's a poverty mentality. That's the men of the world. Christians don't walk out of their houses poor to go and make money. Christians walk out of their houses rich to go and manifest the money they already have in God. Consider your way. Do you have a poor mentality trying to become rich? He says do not labor to be rich. Worry not yourself to be rich. Sees from human wisdom. Human beings think like that. They are just poor men trying to work hard to become rich. Even when they're testifying, they say, me, I was poor, but I worked hard. And I, no, uh, when did you become born again? I was born again before. And, and when you were born again, you were poor. Yes, no, 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 no. You were, you were physically lucky, but you were not poor. Who understands what I said? You must understand this attitude. Because if you do, the power to make wealth will manifest on your life. Listen, it's not what comes out into the man. It's what's in the man coming out of the man. That's what the Bible says. You cannot get this wealth from outside and then put it within your spirit. No, it has to come from within your spirit and go outside to the manifestation. The Bible says the things that are seen are clearly understood or clearly make understand the experience of the things that are not seen. That means... For example, this is Fanero. This is what's inside here. Who is understand what I'm saying? It's not something that grew outside and then started to take form inside. No. It is something that was affirmed inside and has started to carry the confirmation outside. If ministries like that, so wealth is also. You don't begin from without and what you see outside. No. You begin from what comes within and that thing within goes out. Somebody shout Hallelujah. When a man has this here, he does not walk out of his house as a poor man. No, he walks out as a rich man going to manifest what God has put in the inside of him. That man will make it. When it begins from within, you realize that somebody put it there. And when you understand that somebody put it there, your mind is open to the appreciation that the one who put it there had a purpose to it. And when you understand the purpose of the blessing, you understand that you are a steward to account it on behalf of the man that, the God that purposed to put it in you. He says, brethren, we are stewards 
of mysteries. Moreover, it is required of stewards, all stewards, that they be found faithful. Do you see the faithfulness in the money? The faithfulness in the finances? Why are we faithful? Because we are stewards. When a man understands that money is stewardship, that man will not be asked to give, to tithe, to fast fruit, to add, to offer, to bless the poor. To No, no. Because he knows he's a steward of this thing. He carries a responsibility and an accountability to God, a mind of God in the affair. Somebody shout hallelujah. You remember when the Bible says in Philippians that my God shall supply you know, Paul, there were four churches, right? That distinctively teach us about the financial mind of God. One was the church in Thessalonica. When Paul was dealing with the church in Thessalonica, he says, like a mother cuddled her baby, I nursed your dear Thessalonians. And next line he says, and I worked hard with my own hands. And neither did I receive anything from you. When you're dealing with a, a young, immature group of people, man of God, don't even ask anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? Teach them. When a church transitions from Thessalonica and gets into Corinth, Corinth's church is teachable. That is why in Corinthians, you see him teaching how a man should not give grudgingly or what. And then he tells them when to give, how to give, how they should keep time in their giving. That when you make a vow, you fulfill it. You have delayed a bit a year, and yet I've been boasting over you to them of Macedonia, how you're quick and hasty in giving. And, and then he's explaining the church of Corinth because the church of Corinth, at least is at the pledge of teachable. The church in Thessalonica, they are not givers. They are also broke, but they also don't want to know. You get it? And those are the most manipulated folks in the, in the world. Why? Many of those who are babes usually are consumed by the number one idea that falls in the mind of every babe, lust. And because they lust, when they get in the hands of gullible and crafty men, they are manipulated on their own lusts. Because men led, are led and given to their own lusts. To give, you don't need to tell him the revelation of the person of Jesus. No, you have to manipulate him to a certain direction of lust. You have to lie to him to give. You have to manipulate him on the altar. And some men do it. And then they say, the Lord has told me. Psalms 80. If you have 800 million. 80 million. 8 million. Bring it and you're going to see what God is going to do to your house. And then... Thessalonica bring. Why? Because God has promised that he's going to do something in their house. They're trying to conjure God to do what God has already done. You understand what I'm saying? Bababu. There was this preacher one time who stood in the church and he said, God gave me a revelation. If you're here and you have an account, stand up. They stood up. By the way, I'm not forcing you. Now, God has told me that everyone with an account, I don't care how many accounts you are, go on those accounts and remove all the money and bring it on my feet. I'm not forcing you. If you don't want, don't give. You know me when I hear, when, I, when God has told me that something is going to fall, it is going to fall. I need to give us a song when they are coming. Listen, I have never seen in scripture 
where God has led by the Spirit for a man to give on a number of Psalms. I've never seen it. I've just seen it in 20-something. The scriptures are clear. Not grudgingly. Not of necessity. Why are we putting necessity on men? The Bible says when a man ought to give, his mind must be made up. How is my mind made up when you're the one telling me how my mind should be made? Now those ones, if you don't manipulate them, they don't give. Baba, Baba. And they always come carry. Oh, they, somebody told me that if I give my, I will get this. And then they took it all. And then I clap and say, mm-hmm, praise God. Hallelujah. Why? Because every word that is of God at the testimony of two or three witnesses. Okay, they have told you. Has God told you? No. If he hasn't, then what are you doing? God has to confirm in your spirit. You must have the freedom to give. You must have the freedom to give. Some people think that we are not wise when we don't manipulate men to give. No. Because we know how money comes. Money does not come by money. That is why many, many Thessalonians are broke, yet they give. Because almost all the giving they have is not revelational. It is manipulated. Everything they do is manipulated. They don't give out of the revelation of Jesus Christ and the love of God. For God so loved that he gave. No, they are not giving out of the revelation of the love they have toward God. They are giving because they are being manipulated to give. And so they cannot see an increase because the way is wrong. Jesus says I'm the way. He's the revelation. You must understand it. It does not mean that people who are not manipulated don't give. No, I've actually discovered when a man has Christ revealed, he will give way beyond your expectation. Now, they have to put like five kinds of givings in church to make sense. You have to have Kamal with like five kinds of envelopes to make sense. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm speaking as an apostle. If you're a pastor and I've offended you, forgive me. But, we are shaming the gospel. And you notice the people who do that are broke. They stay broke. You see them two years, three years broke. Seven years broke. Why? Because they they have to be manipulated. But in Corinth, he teaches you how. Because when you're in the class of the Corinthian, you want to know, you want to learn. When he goes to the Philippians, those ones he doesn't even teach, no. He says, for none communicated to me except the brethren from Philippi. The Philippians always gave. It's those ones he tells, my God shall supply. Kakati, when I see a Thessalonican saying, my God shall supply all my needs. Oh, Corinthians. I don't get it. Who has understood what I just said? The Amplified says, it's chapter 1 verse 6. I thank God for your fellowship. Listen, he says, now he's talking to the Philippians, not Thessalonians. I thank God for your fellowship, your sympathetic cooperation and contributions and partnership in advancing the good news, the gospel, from the first day you had it until now. And he says, and I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began the work in you, that ministry, that work of giving, will continue until the day of Christ. When you are a giver, a partner, by the revelation of God, and he says, God began it, God began it. He said he will see it to accomplishment. What does that mean? If he says, I'll make it continue, what does that mean? 
saying developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. What, what does that mean? Come on, think with me. What does it mean for God to say, you are a giver, you're a partner in your consideration. Thank you very much. And I'm certain that the God who began that work of causing you will continue doing it, growing it, perfecting it, making it deeper in you. What does that mean? It means you'll never be broke. But there was never a time Paul made a fundraising service in the church in Philippi because there were not men who had to be twisted to give, to be manipulated and flipped. Now, me, I claimed a church that was mature. That's why we don't manipulate, because I claimed it. Now, there are times we've woken up and the ministry has needs. But I don't stand and tell you, oh, Banange, if you don't do this, electricity will go. Please, help us. See. Thessalonica. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then there's Macedonia. The Bible says they give beyond themselves. Those ones are crazy. The Bible says even in their poverty, it abounded to their liberality. They gave more than they had. There are also people like that. Now they can give things and they shock you to the bone. Those ones don't exist. But that's a revelation. It's not something that should be manipulated people into. It begins with what God has done in you. And then it allows you to do as a steward to manifest what God has promised to do in you. Because this is not about you. He's seeking to establish a covenant he made with your forefathers. This is older than your rent. It is more important than the car you're driving and the house you're living in. He says that he might establish the covenant he made with your forefathers. And that covenant seeks its manifestation here. While you're still in the flesh. Because in heaven, money won't be a medium of exchange. We won't need to exchange. Somebody shout hallelujah. And that is why the way of the spirit teaches us the fundamental understanding of stewardship and responsibility. And I'll give you five. The first principle of every man that knows he's a steward. The one line that never leaves the back of your head. You are blessed to be a blessing. You're not blessed to stay blessed. You're blessed to be a blessing. You never forget that. That the more God increases you physically, the more you recon in your spirit that the body of Christ should be blessed by what God has placed on my life. That's why God has told us to remember the widow and the orphan, the disadvantaged and the poor, who are really poor, not just those who don't want to work. Biblical culture, even Jewish culture teaches you that fundamentally they are blessed to be a blessing. That's the mentality they have. They are convinced that they are blessed. And everything they have, they feel they need to share with another man because they are blessed. And what? Innovations, invasions, everything continues to increase on that blessed nation and every one of that blood. Why? Because everything they receive, they want to share it. Taking you to the next pattern here. The second one. That you must make the world a better place. That the world must become beautiful because you're blessed. Somebody shout hallelujah. Matthew chapter 5 and 14. 
He says, ye are the light of what? And he says, you are a city that is set on a hill and cannot be what? Heed. Somebody shout hallelujah. Give me the message of that. The message Bible, my version says, here is another way to put it. You're here to be what? You're here to be what? Bringing out the gold colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. And the next verse says, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you up on a light stand. And the next verse says, now that I've put you up on a hilltop, on a light stand, he says, shine. He says, keep open your what? Keep open your what? Be what? Generous with your lives. Why are you generous? Because you're the light of the world. You're the city sword on a hill. The world is a better place because you're rich. Starts in those little small things. When you live in a neighborhood, get your fellow neighbors and tell them, look, let's contribute 5,000 and then they remove this garbage out here. You're the first one to pay the garbage man. You're the first one to come out with a wreck and a, and a broom when they say we are going to clean the community. That's a rich man. But some of you, you're Christians, but when the garbage men come and all of your neighbors give you run away, so small things. My dear neighbor, our road is very bad. How can we two, three, four of us just raise 20, 30 million and do this road to the glory of God? And then they make the road. Hallelujah. And then you even give it a name. Yes, Wamala. You're making the world a better place. Everywhere you are, you seek to improve. Even on what's not yours. You seek to improve it because you're blessed. Because you're blessed. It does no harm to paint the building you rent. Why should I paint it? Yet I pay rent. No, you're poor. That's why you're thinking that way. Paint it. Let the landlord come and say, my goodness, my goodness. Make, make the house you rent so beautiful that the landlord will say, wow, wow, wow. This is beautiful. Put flowers outside. Make it so beautiful. You release something on your life that makes heaven say, I will walk with you. This is the light. This is the light. But some of you Christians, the world is the worst place. And Manai, let me also say this. How can a Christian be driving and then throws out trash? That thing, that thing, that thing. Christians, you're eating a maze. Eh? Then you get the cob. And you're in a car discussing Apostle Grace's deep. That's a poor man. It doesn't matter how much you're driving. It doesn't matter how much you're driving, you're poor. Why are you threatening the city? Are you going to trash in heaven? So why don't you act like a heaven citizen? The world must be more beautiful because look, the ultimate mandate replenish the earth. That means we are in a constant repairing of the things that get spoiled. It's like some, some of you Christians, you sleep in other people's houses. They have given you a place to sleep because you're still a student or you're still trying to raise some money or they agreed and said, you know, let us give you somewhere to live. Then you enter the house. Are you hearing me? You have 5,000 in your pocket and the bulb blows out. Then you go to the 
the person who gives you a, a shelter for free, then you tell her, Auntie, the bulb has blown. And you want heaven to shine. No. Go buy a bulb. Oh, darling, you didn't have to. No, no, no. It's mandated on me as a Christian to make sure that I put restoration wherever it is. Who is understanding what I'm just saying? It goes even in the small little things. Some of you, they can't even help you. They can't loan you. They can't. My goodness. You get a car. A Christian tells you, oh, uh, I need a car. I'm going somewhere. You give it to them. It comes back when there's no fuel. You understand? It's empty, literally. And then somebody packs your car. And it's dirty. At least wash it. Did you understand? At least wash the car. Then you give the keys. Man, God bless you. You don't know how much you saved me. <laughs> That's foolish. That's a man who has said no to God. You borrow a car, go wash it, clean it, bring it more clean than, than the way they gave it to you. God will say, aha, I can give you a car too. Because I know how to treat cars when they come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Accessories have feelings too. They say righteous man is fair. He's just to his beast. But some of you, people drive nice cars and say, man, the guy has a beast. Of course, it's also a beast in a way. Who has understood what I just said? It's those small things that make you rich. That bring that manifestation. Praise God. The other thing I've realized about wealth is, it should be the third, that there is a holiness that comes by God when a man is able to keep wealth. If that wealth is unsullied, if it's unsoiled, if it is clean wealth, check that man's life. There is something he knows about God. Praise God. Have you understood what he just said? First Timothy chapter 6 and 17. When he's talking about the rich of this world, he tells them, for it is what? God who gives us these things. Liberate to enjoy. That means it's God's plan to say, you know what? Let me give you a nice Maserati to drive it. It's God's will. He says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, not trusting the answering riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. All things to enjoy. He gives us all things to enjoy. All. That means it's a blessing of God for you to stay rich until you leave the earth. There is a glory. There is a goodness on a man who knows how to keep wealth. There is something godly about a man who knows how to keep wealth. Many reasons why men lose wealth. You're going to realize the patterns are always ungodly means. If it's clean wealth, then there is God in it. And that is why you must be rich. Because partly, you show God. Somebody shout hallelujah. The other issue is being independent from men. Oh, no, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6. That one is important. Give me the message version. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6. He says, our orders, backed up by the master, are all to this end, to refuse to have anything to do, to do with those among you who are what? Lazy and refuse to what? Work the way we what? We taught or the way they were taught. That means from the apostolic ancient day of teaching, they always had an issue with people who are lazy and don't want to work. And he told us to stay away from such people. 
He says, don't permit them to freeload on the rest. And the next verse says, we showed you how to pull your weight when we were with you. So get on what? With it. The next verse says, we didn't sit around on your hands expecting others to take care of us. He says, in fact, we worked our fingers to the bone up half the night moonlight so you wouldn't be burdened by taking care of us. The mindset and mandate of this apostolic movement then in the early church was simple. Everybody should work. Do something. Such that you don't just sit there to wait for people to care for you. As in America, and I saw people testifying of welfare. Hey, oh, I thank God, Apostle. You know, they give me some money. The government, I look at them. That's bondage. The government is looking after you. You're the one supposed to be looking after the government. You're the one supposed to be helping the government run by paying taxes. Who is understand what I'm saying? By being a resource, whether human or otherwise. But you see, now people testify for being cared of. You know, there are some people who even testify. And I'm like, but this is bondage. You no, know, God sent people to care for me. But you see, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. That's not your portion. You are the one who is supposed to give. It's your portion to give. You are ordained for it. It doesn't mean people will not bless you. But they will not bless you as one who lacks. No. They will bless you as one who has. In the spirit there is something you do. Somebody shout hallelujah. And lastly. God has ordained wealth for you that you might have possessions. They are part of your existential inheritances in God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Judges chapter 2 verses 6. Judges chapter 2 verses 6. And he said, and when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel, he says, went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. It's part of God's blessing to give you property. Even Adam and Eve were given a garden. You understand? When he called our father Abraham, he gave him Canaan. When he called our father David, he gave him a city. It's God's mind. Even the fallen guys like Esau who sold their birthright, he gave them a land. He says the Edomites have their portion too, even in their fallen nature. That is why a child of God cannot exist on this earth and die without a property in your name. That is far from you. Put it far. Rub it now. Get a rubber and rub the mentality. It cannot happen. Because it's part of our inheritance. It's part of what God has ordained for you as a believer. No. Praise God. The question is not what God has done. That's finished. The question is have you understood that this is stewardship? This is the responsibility bigger than your selfish self that wants to drive and have a nice kind of house. Some of you, you're limited because your mindset is still small. You don't see your part in building the world. You don't see your part in, in blessing the world. You don't see your part as an extension of the ministry of God upon your life. The world should be blessed that you have money. Not because if you are poorer, you'd steal or kill for it. But because when you got, many were fed through you. And that's why I tell people, don't begin by making enough money to do that. No, begin by claiming certain principles in your life that prove that that's the mindset you have.
How? If you're a student, look for a poor family and get somebody's child and tell them, I might not have enough physically to pay for fees, but every time I'll be sending some little pocket money to your son. That's education. When we were at campus, we got a little boy who was called Ronnie. I realized the family could not take him to school. You know what we did? I got one or two of my friends and I told him, you know what? Let's educate this kid. We get fees, we get clothes, we feed, we buy uniforms, we do everything for him. Three of my friends, we started getting our little money, saving it, and then we started educating this boy. Not because we had enough physically, but we were convinced in our spirits that we were rich men. I wish I could tell you how much I used to get for pocket money a week. Some of you would find it so hard to believe that on that we educated people. I remember giving in two building projects 1,500, 2,000, because God knows it's what I had. You get my point? Eh? So I don't mind whether you're giving a coin. That's not the problem. The problem is, are you giving it with a poverty mentality or as a rich man in your spirit? And then I went increasing my faith. Then eventually, I got to the level where I could educate a child. So I started educating them. And I educate them, and I educate them, and I educate them, and I educate them. Why am I doing it? I'm not doing it so that person says, oh, our son. No. It is simple. I'm trying to put something in my head that the world is a better place because Apostle Grace has money. They are orphans and widows. You understand what I'm saying? There are people who just need a little thing in their lives to change. Some of you, you're so rich, but you're so selfish. You don't think beyond yourself. Everything is around you. And more so, the Bible says, people of your household. How can you be a parent and you don't care for your own child? I'm a pastor. A child comes to you and tells you, my father's never bought me a shirt. And you say, what? Yes. And he's a Christian. Yes. Really? That you're a poor man. You're a poor man. You're a poor man. You're a poor man. No matter how much you have, you're a poor man. How can you not buy your child a shirt? So your child's life is not even better. Yet you earn a living. Some of you have abandoned your parents. You don't even know whether your mother's eaten today or not. Yet you have the means and the ability. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Those are poor people. Your family is not benefiting. Your relatives are nothing. Nobody. Even the conductor guy. You can't even give away to change. Blessed to be a blessing. When you scatter like that, the Bible says you what? You increase. When you hold more than is meat, the Bible says you only tend to poverty. Somebody say I'm a minister. Even in my giving, I'm a minister. So you get it. Even in my finances, I'm a minister. I'm a minister. The world is better because I'm a giver. The world is restored. Humanity is restored because I have money. Some of you, you must learn how to do acts of humanity. You must learn how to extend simple things, simple help. That's a rich man. Buy somebody who is starving a meal. Get 3,000 of your pocket and tell him, you know what? Go have yourself some to eat. That's a rich man. 
You understand what I'm saying? You're moving, you see a sister who has come in service and her shoe is torn and you have 20 pairs, 30, 40, 100. And then you just see a shoe and say, oh, that shoe is old, that's it. No, call her darling, give me your number. What's your shoe size? I must make sure tomorrow you have a shoe. Some of you, you don't even have space to keep your bags. And you're seated next to a woman whose bag is torn. And you don't have a conviction. No. Your brain tells you, hold on to that one also. Because you might not have the other. Hold. Hold on to it. Don't leave it. It's yours. If it leaves you, you're going to be poor. That's a poor mentality. You sit down in next to a young man with a very torn shirt. Go back home and tell him, look, come and see me next week. Look for something for him. And give him shirts and tell him, look, they might not be the best, but they're better than what you wore. That's a rich man. The world is better because of who you are. When you start doing that, you're going to be amazed about how much God will release upon your life. But some of you, you want to first put on the shoe eh, until it goes to Ango Theta. Oh, it goes into some obtuse angle. Then after that, it goes into that angle. You call a brother and tell him, hey, Michael, inherit. Inheritance. Tell your neighbor, give them even when they are new. Because you're rich. Yes. 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 Come on, tell God something. Tell him, God, you blessed me because you have a responsibility to fulfill in me. Fulfill it. Fulfill it. Fulfill it. Fulfill it. Come on, talk to God. Talk to God. It's not about you. It's about God. It's not about what you want. It's about what God wants to fulfill in your life. Based on what he's put inside you. Jesus, lover of my soul, all-consuming fire is in your hand.
for your glory and your faith. Lord, I'm happy as if you should do things my way. You alone are God and I surrender to your will. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you. And we ask you, God, because you have opened everything for us and that you've blessed us with every spiritual blessing that heaven blessed in Christ because you've given us everything that pertains to life and godliness because we have it all. Open our eyes to walk out of selfishness. It's not about us and what we will possess in this world because no man can have enough in their carnal nature. The carnal nature will always last for more. But teach us to carry sufficiency in you. And always remember to extend more to be a blessing to this world, to the needy, to your ministry, to the gospel. Help us understand that it is ministry to be rich and to carry our responsibility as you've ordained us. It's not about how much we collect. It's not about who is the richest. It's about what we are doing with what you've placed in our hands. So give us the wisdom to tell the difference. In Jesus' name we prayed and believed. And all saints said, Amen. Praise God. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ and you want to receive him today, if you want to be born again, you're going to repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me and you are raised for me. Tonight I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.